1: Over 25 years ago, on September 29th, 1998, we watched a brainy girl with curly hair drop everything to follow a guy she only kind of knew all the way to college. And so began Felicity. My name is Juliette Littman, and I'm a Felicity superfan. Join me, Amanda Foreman, who you may know better as Megan, the roommate, and Greg Grunberg, who you may also know as Sean Blundberg, as the three of us revisit our favorite moments from the show and talk to the people who helped shape it. Listen to Dear Felicity, presented by Walmart on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: In the Sahara Desert in the African country of Mauritania, there is a giant flat arrangement of concentric circles made of various rocks and minerals surrounded by mountains. It looks like a great dead eye.
0: There, archaeologists have discovered the remains of Neolithic tools dating back 10,000 years near the circles.
2: Everything about the site fits Plato's description of the lost city of Atlantis, as described in Timaeus and Critias, right down to the 25-mile diameter of the majestic ringed formation.
0: It's close enough in proximity for its people to have had relations with Greece and Egypt. Other key details in the Atlantis story.
2: All the physical details fit. The timeline fits, the location fits, the reason for the decline fits.
0: Had Atlantis been right under our noses this whole time in the deserts of Africa?
2: In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth.
0: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Richard. And
2: I'm your host, Molly.
0: At ParCast, we are grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network.
2: And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to parcast.com slash merch for more information.
0: You can find all previous episodes of Unexplained Mysteries, as well as all of Parcast's other shows on Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts.
2: This is our final episode on the mystery of Atlantis, the advanced ancient island society that is believed to have vanished thousands of years ago.
0: In our last episode, we discussed the earliest written histories of Atlantis and how the myth of the fabled city has developed over the past 2,000 years.
2: Atlantis is a multifaceted mystery with a lot of big questions around it. We can break these down into four major questions. One, how do we know about Atlantis even though over 10,000 years have passed? Two, if we accept that Atlantis did exist, Where is it today?
0: Three, accepting Atlantis did exist, what happened to it? And finally, four, whether Atlantis existed or not, why is it such a prevalent myth, despite having one historical source and no material remains? As we'll see, the story of Atlantis finds its way deep into the cultural imagination of anyone who hears it, from the ancient Greeks to modern-day archeologists.
2: One of the prevailing elements of the Atlantis mystery is that we have no material remains or ruins that are confirmed to have come from the city. And there's only one written record of Atlantis from the Greeks themselves. In around 350 BCE, famous Greek philosopher Plato cites the civilization as an ancient competitor to Athens and Egypt that was ultimately destroyed by the gods for being too greedy in its rule and conquest. However, it's unclear if the city was ever real or not.
0: After that, the legend was popularized and expanded during the Renaissance period nearly 1,700 years later, when Europeans were increasing naval exploration of the Atlantic. This was also the time that Europeans first made contact with the New World. With these new technological and cultural changes came new theories on the location of Atlantis.
2: While Atlantis was never definitively found in the New World, the idea of Atlantis being located outside the Mediterranean caught on. This explained why no one had found it yet. The racism and Eurocentrism that fueled the search for a European Atlantis in far-off places also grew, morphing into the 19th century idea of a singular European proto-culture from which all human cultures sprung.
0: Everyone from psychics to tenured college professors worked to explain how Atlantis could be the key to revealing their own scientific European superiority. And these thinkers soon attracted the theory's biggest fan, Nazi leader Heinrich Himmler.
2: Himmler was obsessed with proving Atlanteans were real in order to legitimize the racist theory of European Nazis as a superior strain of the human race. To this end, he commissioned multiple trips and excavations to try to prove his case.
0: The Nazi expedition stopped after the Second World War ended. However, the Atlantis story made its way into popular culture, including books, movies, and TV shows. Whenever scientists developed a new technology, society updated the theories on Atlantis to reflect the new
2: possibilities. So, if no one's ever found this 10,000-year-old society, how do we even know about it?
0: To answer that, we need to go all the way back to ancient Greece.
2: As you may recall, the first written record of Atlantis comes to us from Plato's unfinished dialogue trilogy Timaeus and Critias from circa 360 BCE. While incomplete, This text is famous for showing the differences between Atlantis, a society that becomes corrupted, and Athens, a society that behaves admirably according to Greek values. As a result, Athens survives while Atlantis is smited by the gods and collapses into the sea. This structure remains the core idea of the Atlantis story across most, if not all, interpretations.
0: Timaeus and Critias is a direct sequel to Plato's most famous work, The Republic, which was written about 20 years earlier in around 380 BCE. Republic and Timaeus and Critias are both written in Plato's trademark style of fictional dialogues between his real-life teacher Socrates and other real-life historical figures.
2: Structurally, the character Socrates has dialogues with other attendees in order to more deeply understand the rules, structures, and pros and cons of various justice systems and philosophical theories.
0: In the Republic, Socrates and his audience, both fellow Athenians and foreigners, consider the models of existing city-states and political regimes to evaluate their effectiveness. They later proposed hypothetical city-states that would function in a more ideal
2: manner. Timaeus and Critias takes place on the day after the events of the Republic, which culminated in Socrates describing his ideal state. In Timaeus and Critias, he tells his guests, quote, I would be glad to hear some account of the ideal state engaging in transactions with other states.
0: In other words, Let's see this ideal society interacting with non-ideal societies.
2: To oblige him, his guest, Hermocrates, states that another guest, Critias, has just the story. Critias goes on to tell the story of Solon, who journeys to Egypt where he hears the story of Atlantis.
0: That's a lot of layers. So to recap, Solon hears the story of Atlantis in Egypt. Critias tells the story to Socrates, this entire interaction is written by plato as a dialogue
2: it's important to note that socrates critias and hermocrates were real historical figures who all are mentioned in other historical documents athens and egypt were also real societies with real histories stretching back long before plato's time
0: Given all the historical figures, real locations, and specific details included in Plato's account of the Atlantean myth, was it possible that Atlantis was real? Or was it just a hypothetical conjured up to make a point?
2: Naysayers quickly point to other allegorical pieces of the Republic, such as Plato's famous allegory of the cave. In this story... The cave is used as a metaphor for people living in the dark who cannot see the truth. When they emerge from the cave, the truth is literally too bright for them to see. Once their eyes adjust, however, it's difficult for them to see what the cave dwellers see, even though they used to see it too.
0: The allegory of the cave is accepted as fiction. There are no major interpretations that somewhere in the world there was a real cave where a society of people were chained to the floor.
2: Because we know Plato wrote allegories and metaphors that were blatant fiction, such as the allegory of the cave or the ship of state metaphor, it's possible that the Atlantis story was also meant to be read entirely as allegory, and many theorists believe that's all there is to the mystery.
0: Yet the Atlantis story is not grouped with other allegorical works within Plato's writing. Furthermore, Plato's allegories tend to be vague in their descriptions with no geographically defining details.
2: Atlantis, on the other hand, is described in extreme detail, including its location past the pillars of Heracles, the concentric circles in its layout, its government system, and its fall by natural disaster via the gods. Plato typically reserved this level of detail for real historical societies, such as Athens or ancient Egypt. This suggests that Atlantis is actually historical, not allegorical.
0: However, some of the details are more fantastical than historical. The largest one is that the society was created and destroyed by the gods. However, it was typical of historical texts in ancient Greece, Egypt, and Mesopotamia to blend in mythical elements when trying to account for inexplicable phenomena like natural disasters.
2: Another problematic detail is that, according to Plato, Atlantis existed 9,000 years earlier than his writing, as did Egypt, Libya, and Greece. But a full-fledged civilization in 9600 BCE does not make sense for Atlantis or for Egypt, Libya, or Greece. That's because these dates fall in prehistory, meaning before writing and before most major technological innovations.
0: If nothing else, these four societies were certainly not in their 350 BCE forms in 9600 BCE, let alone superior to them. If Atlantis really existed 9,000 years earlier and was extremely advanced, it would make more sense for them to have some form of writing. Yet, we have nothing.
2: Then again, archaeology was not as sophisticated in 350 BCE as it is today. If we assume that Plato got the dates wrong, it's possible this incident could have taken place 1,000 years before, as opposed to 10,000 years before.
0: Still, there are tall tale elements of the story, such as the fall happening in one night and the fall completely disrupting the layout of the oceans. It also doesn't quite make sense that Atlantis could be a whole continent but fit inside the Mediterranean Sea.
2: But on the other hand, myths from the ancient world would often mesh accounts of real natural disasters like floods or volcanoes with fabricated divine or magical explanations.
0: A giant flood shows up in ancient Mesopotamian and Hebrew texts, among others globally, suggesting a period of flooding worldwide. Plato even references historical deluges in Timaeus and Critias when he says, quote, in the first place, you remember a single deluge only, but there were many previous ones.
2: Clearly, the people of Plato's time were familiar with at least one large-scale flood. It's possible that the Atlantis story was inspired by some real natural disaster, like this great deluge.
0: But this doesn't account for the other major flaw in the Atlantis as historical place argument. We have no material remains. It is possible, though,
2: that we can't find Atlantis because it was absorbed into the history of a conquering group like the Minoans of ancient Greece.
0: The Minoans flourished in the area of Crete from 2700 to 1450 BCE. They died out a thousand years before Plato was born.
2: The Minoans had their own unique and robust style of art, successful military elements, and extensive architecture. They thrived for over a thousand years.
0: But when the Mycenaeans conquered the Minoans around 1450 BCE, they built on top of the Minoan structures, melted down their gold, and completely absorbed their culture. This caused the Minoans to be entirely lost to history for 3,000 years until the 20th century.
2: It was only due to extensive scholarship and new carbon dating technology that researchers realized some Mycenaean artifacts were actually from a separate culture, the Minoans.
0: It's possible the relics of the Atlanteans are similarly right under our noses, under the name of an entirely different culture.
2: So, Assuming Atlantis was a real historical civilization, how did it get so exaggerated, and why does it only show up in one written record?
0: The most likely answer is oral tradition.
2: The famous ancient Greek epics, the Iliad and the Odyssey, were both spread through speech for centuries until they were actually written down. Despite general agreement among historians that the stories date back to the 8th century BCE, the earliest written version we have is from the 3rd century CE, a thousand years later.
0: Because of that time difference, we have no idea how much of these stories are true to the original telling, how much of each is historical record, and how much has been embellished over time.
2: At the same time, These stories are some of our only primary sources looking into major ancient Greek cultural practices, like social systems, values, and religious practices, since no written records of these thoughts and ideas survive.
0: If Atlantis were real and already ancient history by 350 BCE, it's likely that it was known primarily through oral history. If that's the case, it makes sense we do not have additional historical documents, even if they existed. Remember, it would be 500 more years before the Iliad and the Odyssey were written down in a form that would survive to present day.
2: As a result, Plato could have been drawing on a story that was either so well-known he didn't have to prove how he got his information, or so obscure that people just accepted it. Either way, the lack of documentation doesn't mean it wasn't historical fact.
0: It does mean that the story was likely embellished over time, which could account for the presence of gods, confusion on the size and location, and inaccurate dates for its existence.
2: So since Atlantis appears alongside other historical societies, and the major pieces of its existence, such as proximity, conquering culture, and destruction by natural disaster, are all feasible real-world details, It's possible that Atlantis was based on a real society.
0: This leads us into our second question. Assuming Atlantis was a real society, where would we find it today?
2: Next, we'll take a look at the most promising 20th and 21st century attempts to explain what happened to Atlantis.
1: Over 25 years ago, on September 29th, 1998, we watched a brainy girl with curly hair drop everything to follow a guy she only kind of knew all the way to college. And so began Felicity. My name is Juliette Littman, and I'm a Felicity superfan. Join me, Amanda Foreman, who you may know better as Megan, the roommate, and Greg Grunberg, who you may also know as Sean Blumberg, as the three of us revisit our favorite moments from the show and talk to the people who helped shape it. Listen to Dear Felicity, presented by Walmart on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Now, back to this unexplained mystery. We've addressed why it's possible Atlantis was real, despite no definitive material remains, and we can move to the question of where we're most likely to find the remains of Atlantis today, assuming it was a real historical civilization.
2: While attempts to find Atlantis, or what was left of it, began during the Renaissance, no full-scale expeditions specifically targeting the city happened until Himmler and the Nazis. Along the way, theories on the whereabouts of the city kept growing.
0: Popular locations over time included the Mediterranean, North Africa, Greenland, South America, and even lost islands in the Atlantic Ocean. In the 1960s, increased development in plate tectonics and continental drift led to a strong interest in an Antarctic or Caribbean Atlantis theory.
2: However, in both cases, the plate drift would have occurred long before human civilization. For example, Antarctica broke off of Australia 85 million years ago. Humans have only been around for about 200,000 years. The numbers don't work.
0: However, that didn't dampen belief that Atlantis may be in a far-off place like Antarctica or deep under the sea. We've historically lacked the technology to search deep beneath the ice or seawater. So in both cases, we haven't been able to properly investigate the theory.
2: Lending to this theory, Atlantis is associated with superior technology, so it would make sense that they had some sort of superior naval capabilities that allowed them to reach Europe from a distant continent in the first place, at least according to the legend.
0: As underwater archaeological technology continued to increase, 20th and 21st century expeditions also increased, with promising results.
2: In 2000, an archaeological team led by Russian-Canadian researcher Paulina Zalitsky undertook an enormous project, mapping the seafloor around Cuba and Florida in the Atlantic Ocean. They had chosen this area because it lies in the infamous Bermuda Triangle, a 500,000-square-mile region with a peculiar history of its own. Frequent listeners may recall our episodes on the Bermuda Triangle, but we'll provide a quick refresher.
0: When Christopher Columbus sailed across this stretch of water in 1492, he claimed to have seen a great fire crash from the sky into the ocean. Its origin was never explained. Since then, countless ships, people, and even aircraft have inexplicably gone missing from this area.
2: With all the mysterious happenings, a theory soon emerged that perhaps the Bermuda Triangle was so strange because the lost city of Atlantis slept below its waves, its advanced technology still disrupting the course of human history.
0: And Atlantis in the Bermuda Triangle actually ties back to Plato. Plato stated that Atlantis was an island continent past the pillars of Heracles, so to the west of Europe. He didn't say how far west of Europe.
2: Knowing this, during the European Age of Exploration, some explorers had come to suspect that Atlantis might actually be in the New World. Though the conquistadors never found Atlantis, they didn't have much in the way of underwater exploration technology.
0: Armed with the latest equipment in the year 2000, Zalitsky's team was ready to search the Bermuda Triangle for Atlantis.
2: Using a mixture of cutting-edge sonar equipment, remote pilot devices, and specialized dive teams, they systematically searched for anything that looked like the remains of a previous civilization.
0: The team was hopeful, but they never imagined just how successful they would be. A half a mile below the water's surface, they found enormous stones organized in eerily straight lines and at clear 90-degree angles. Some of these stones even stood on top of each other in shapes reminiscent of pyramids.
2: These were not what we'd consider natural shapes, and the stones were huge, coming in at 16 to 20 feet tall and weighing literal tons. All in all, the team found over 30 geometric structures that were spaced perfectly in rows and sharp 90-degree corners. Looking at the stones, it was easy to account for buildings, streets, pyramids, and tunnels. The team even noted that some of the structures resembled sea-level-style storage facilities dominant in the majority of port civilizations around the world, suggesting the city had been at sea level in the past.
0: The dates the area flooded also line up geohistorians know that the sea level would have been much lower 10,000 years ago due to the Ice Age holding more of the world's waters. Furthermore, dating techniques based on volcanic ash from the area and in the stone place the structures as having sunk around 6,000 years ago, or roughly 4,000 BCE. While this isn't a perfect fit for Plato's date of 9,500 BCE— It still is old enough that it would work for the city being lost by Plato's time.
2: In fact, this date for the flood of Atlantis makes more sense than 9500 BCE. Megalithic structures, or structures made from enormous stone like the ones the team had found, date back to around 9000 BCE at their earliest sinking around 4,000 BCE gives the supposed Atlanteans a good 5,000 years to build these structures and travel across the Atlantic to ancient Greece. The Bermuda Triangle
0: was considered to be one of the stronger contenders for the location of the real-life Atlantis. Still, there have been detractors, including those who think the structures are simply naturally occurring underwater lava formations. Regardless, Bermuda is far from the only possible location for Atlantis. In 2015, archaeologist Sebastian Tusa and his team explored a shipwreck one mile off the coast of Spain. The ship had lain lost and undisturbed for 2,600 years.
2: While his team wasn't specifically looking for Atlantis, they managed to find one of the most convincing connections to the lost city to date, and maybe the only material remains we have left from Atlantis.
0: From the ship, the dive team recovered 39 metal ingots, aged from two millennia in the sea, but generally intact. While any historical artifacts are an exciting find for an archaeology team— the ingots were particularly shocking.
2: Spectrographic analysis revealed that the ingots were a zinc alloy that had never been seen before. The alloy does not occur naturally and requires a smelting process that, as far as we know, was not developed until around 1,000 years ago. Yet, the ingots were 2,600 years old.
0: Further analysis revealed that the ingots were a blend of zinc, copper, lead, nickel and iron. This makes the alloy even more complex and difficult to make. Since we have never seen this alloy before, it's likely that it has electrical, conductive, or other energy properties that are still
2: unknown to scientists. In his description of Atlantis, Plato explicitly described a special energy-producing metal called orichalcum. Oricalcum was said to have a copper sheen, just like these ingots, and was only found in Atlantis. In fact, Oricalcum means mountain copper, and the alloy is rich in copper.
0: Prior to this dive, no metal fitting the description of Oricalcum had ever been found, and so the metal was believed to be a myth. But here were 39 ingots, unaccounted for, and perfectly fitting the description. This could be the first material proof of Atlanteans.
2: But the dive only uncovered a single ship, and no other orichalcum has been found. This meant that the remains of Atlantis might really still be out there and could be identified by the presence of this unique alloy.
0: And people are still searching. In 2018, the search and recovery company Merlin Burrows set its sights on Atlantis this relatively new company's track record includes lost ships from the 15th and 18th centuries a roman tomb from the 5th century ce and lost warships from world war one
2: with a successful resume and ample experience in undersea recovery the team set their sights on atlantis in 2018 Using satellite imaging, they scoured the Mediterranean for anything fitting Plato's description of Atlantis, namely, its striking layout of concentric circles.
0: After intensive searching, they noticed an anomaly in the bogs of southern Spain in Doñana National Park. There, close to the water level, were dozens of concentric rings formed naturally.
2: This was a radical change in the interpretation of Atlantis. Perhaps they had not built a city of this layout, but had built a city on top of a naturally occurring layout.
0: The location would also make sense. It was near the pillars of Heracles, so the civilization could have still appeared to come from there. It was close enough that interaction with Greece and Egypt made perfect sense, and the lost boat off the coast of Spain could be accounted for.
2: However, there are no ruins or material remains we know of in the bogs. Because the area is swampy and a national park, it's possible that there are artifacts hidden there that archaeologists don't have access to. This theory will need further investigation, but it has legs to stand on.
0: But so does a competing theory that places Atlantis not in Spain, but in northern Africa, in the modern country of Mauritania on a geological structure called the Eye of the Sahara. This naturally occurring structure is roughly 25 miles in diameter and appears as a series of concentric circles created by different minerals. The size and appearance are perfect matches for Plato's description of the lost city.
2: While this theory has been growing for almost a century, it was recently repopularized in 2018 when Bright Insights posted a pair of 20-minute videos on YouTube explaining the theory at length. In under six months, the three videos gained over 10 million combined views.
0: The Eye of the Sahara, or Rishat structure, is not a new discovery. It was first written about in the 1930s, Originally, scientists believed it was an impact structure—in other words, created by something hitting the Earth. This could prove the theory that Atlantis was destroyed by a meteorite as opposed to the gods.
2: But further research in the 1960s suggests the formation was actually created by erosion, shifting tectonics, and volcanoes over time still if the structure was naturally occurring it could account for plato's description the question was had it been around long enough to exist in 9600 bce
0: in the 1990s work began to date the structure the conclusion is that it's been with us with some changes for 100 million years long before much modern life on the planet Some parts of the structure are much younger, clocking in at just one million years, but still millennia before Atlantis would have existed.
2: There are also archaeological discoveries from the eye of the Sahara proving human inhabitants, specifically numerous stone remains generally classified as Acheulean hand tools.
0: These pieces are considered to be Neolithic technology, describing an early development in human innovation dating to about 12,000 years ago. The eye of the Sahara artifacts have been specifically carbon dated to 8,000 to 15,000 years ago. However, stone hand tools, typical of human development at the time, are hardly proof of an advanced, technologically superior empire.
2: It's still possible a major civilization existed here, though. The Sahara went through a humid period 8,000 to 15,000 years ago. That's how the tools were dated. Humid periods break down non-stone materials more rapidly. If this civilization used wood or fiber-based materials too, they would be long gone.
0: This era is also during prehistory, meaning the time before the earliest invention of written language. It's probable that the society simply used oral communication, and that with the loss of the society came the loss of their oral history.
2: It's also possible that by the time the story reached Plato, it had been exaggerated. 10,000 years is a long time. The Atlanta civilization could have been powerful and advanced in 9,000 to 10,000 BCE, But the details were shifted over time to entertain modern audiences, leading to Plato's 350 BCE Greek version of success and opulence.
0: Plato also specifically includes Atlantis in a dialogue with Egypt, Libya, and the Middle East. These other locations suggest awareness of the greater Mediterranean region and a sense of travel in the past. The Eye of the Sahara would fit this, It would also be on another continent fitting that description of Plato's.
2: With so many competing, compelling theories on real-life locations for Atlantis, how do we determine which one is the real site?
0: Up next, we'll evaluate these real-life possibilities, look at some more fringe theories, and examine why Atlantis continues to drive fascination and
1: obsessive new theories.
0: Now the conclusion of our unexplained mystery. With so many compelling options for a real-life location for Atlantis, it's easy to just pick one and be satisfied. The problem is, they all have believable and not-so-believable parts.
2: These theories do come with trends in believability. The first is the actual date of Atlantis's demise. In Plato's text, he says that the civilization fell 9,000 years previous, placing it at around 9,500 BCE or 11,500 years ago. This corresponds with the end of the ice age. This is important because as the ice age ended, sea levels rose. This could account for Atlantis being submerged beneath water.
0: Even if the end of the Ice Age didn't cause the sea level to rise, an impact by an asteroid could have. Scientists have discovered that 12,000 years ago, in roughly 10,000 BCE, an asteroid hit the northern side of Greenland, leaving a 19-mile crater, wiping out anything that lived there, and melting enough ice to raise the sea level globally.
2: An additional theory is that the dates for Atlantis were simply wrong and the society existed in the 2600 to 1500 BCE era, overlapping with the Mycenaeans. It's still possible that Atlantis is right under our noses, disguised as another city, and that Plato was just very bad at dates. 10,000 years is a nice impressive number after all, but hard for humans to comprehend in reality.
0: This opens up the question, though, of where Atlantis actually was, still assuming it was real. Placing it outside the Mediterranean, in Bermuda or Greenland or Antarctica, opens up the problem of naval technology, which, as far as we know, didn't exist in a way that allowed major ocean passage at the time. If we place it in the Mediterranean in Spain or Africa, then it's unclear why we don't have definitive material remains or additional historical references.
2: At the end of the day, all of these theories have legs to stand on, but also have major problems. It seems like anywhere Atlantis could possibly fit, someone has made a good logical argument for why it could be there.
0: But before we get into why there are so many supposed Atlantis locations and why so many are compelling, We want to take a few minutes to look at the more fantastical fringe theories surrounding Atlantis.
2: Since we have no clear answer as to whether Atlantis existed, and if so, where it is, there have been a variety of interpretations outside the realm of science and history. Of course, this has a long tradition. Mayanism, Blavatsky's root race theory, and even Plato's record of gods destroying the city all lay outside the realm of science. One particularly
0: popular recurring thread of supernatural Atlantis theory includes reincarnation. In the commonly known story, the Atlanteans were punished for their hubris, per the original Plato story, but instead of disappearing entirely, the superior beings were reincarnated as lowly humans.
2: According to this theory past life regression or a psychic process by which someone recovers memories of a previous life keeps the memory of atlantis alive
0: theories disagree on whether atlanteans were ancient humans supernatural demigods or even aliens
2: the aliens thread is very popular typically the alien atlanteans did live on earth there are two major categories for why Either the aliens were escaping a cruel overlord on their home planet and sought out a peaceful place to live, or they were the last of their kind and in hiding from a hostile second species.
0: In both cases, their enemy eventually finds them and destroys them and their superior technology
2: as punishment. This theory accounts for the entire loss of Atlantis, both their city and technology. It also accounts for Plato and others calling them demigods. Their supernatural powers are due to superior alien capabilities.
0: In some less popular versions, the aliens actually lived on an additional planet between Earth and Mars. The entire planet was destroyed and the aliens fled to Earth, where they had to build a city and hide themselves.
2: This theory, and others like it, end with Atlantean aliens destroying themselves when their technology in wicked ways began corrupting the humans around them. Just like Athens having to put down Atlantis in Plato's stories, the humans have to put down the aliens, who realize they need to destroy themselves for the good of all. We see
0: echoes of these theories in the approaches of people like Blavatsky, who believes the Atlanteans were superhuman giants with psychic powers who existed long before
2: humans. Obviously, we have no proof for the alien or supernatural line of thinking regarding Atlantis, but why are these theories so incredibly popular?
0: If we take a look at all the Atlantis theories we've discussed, a pattern starts to emerge. Whenever a new technology or cultural perspective emerges, people become obsessed with using it to find the lost
2: city. In the Renaissance alone, there was a focus on Atlantis being a place beyond the pillars of Heracles in the Atlantic Ocean, which had been previously unreachable to Europeans due to naval technology. Suddenly, that Atlantic Ocean was explorable, and people became determined to find Atlantis there.
0: There was also a focus on Atlantis having moved away due to continental drift, which was also a new idea in this period, and people began to come up with theories for how Atlantis could have drifted away from Europe over
2: time. Upon the so-called discovery of the New World and its incredible ruins, others postulated that Atlantis was also discoverable in the islands and jungles of the Americas, if we only kept looking. At the bottom of all these new theories was a new technology or perspective being applied directly to the missing city.
0: In addition to technology changes, historical, archaeological, and cultural studies were in their infancy during the Renaissance and early modern periods, and often problematically blended with racism and superstition, but this zest for uncovering and understanding other cultures fueled the development of historical fields today.
2: As a result, Mayanism emerged. This was a pseudo-historical pursuit that looked at the ruins and history of Mayan people, but also ascribed magical qualities to them. These pseudo-historians believed that the Maya could not have built their ruins and that perhaps an advanced civilization like Atlantis had done so.
0: This idea reflects the state of European society more than the reality of Atlantis or the Mayan people. Through the 16 and 1700s, even into the 1800s, Europe was extremely colonial. They saw themselves as the superior culture and genuinely believed that anything of merit had to come from European people. We see examples of this all over Africa, the Americas, and Southeast Asia as Britain, Spain, France, Portugal, and the Netherlands strove to change local societies into images of themselves.
2: We, of course, know now that colonialism was incredibly racist and damaging. But considered under this lens, it's no surprise that Europeans expected to find proof of their own predecessors in the Americas. However, despite some attempts, they were unsuccessful at doing so.
0: This idea was picked up again in the late 19th century. Darwin had just published his on the origin of species in 1859, suggesting for the first time that species could change over time and that all life is linked. While this opened up important scientific ideas still used today, it also, unfortunately, gave legs to a theory of racial superiority, namely that white people were genetically superior to all others.
2: At the same time, spiritualism, or a belief in psychics and the supernatural, and a belief in a single human protoculture, were both growing in popularity. Together, they led to a belief of mystical, hyper-accomplished past cultures, who we could potentially find ways to speak to through hypnosis, mediums, or other spiritual means.
0: As discussed in part one, Helena Blavatsky was instrumental in tying these new beliefs to Atlantis. She conducted a so-called study of Indian religious beliefs and came up with a theory that the Earth had undergone a series of wildly different species, or root races, that dominated at various times. Atlanteans were the fourth root race, and all humans descended from
2: them. The Atlanteans, according to Blavatsky, had been literal giants, had psychic abilities, and all language, culture, and human achievements stemmed from them. This, once again, fits perfectly with the zeitgeist of the time. Europeans wanted a clean, somewhat mystical explanation for their origin, for the supernatural, and for the perceived superiority of European culture. Blavatsky's
0: story caught the attention of numerous laymen and academics, including Professor Hermann Wirth, who furthered the theory to include supposed proof that the Atlanteans had lived in the Nordic regions of Europe and had been destroyed by impact from a celestial ice ball. Since Wirth was an academic and working after Blavatsky, it makes sense that he would refine the theory to include new scientific items such as impact from celestial bodies.
2: It was Wirth's theory that caught the attention of Nazi commander Heinrich Himmler. Nothing was more attractive to 1940s Nazis than finding a way to prove the superiority of the Aryan race, which they believed themselves descendants of. The blavatsky wirth Atlantis theory fit perfectly. And with the creation of the Annanerbe, a German think tank set up in the mid-1930s dedicated to proving Aryan superiority... Himmler and Wirth became the first to directly send out an archaeological team in search of Atlantis.
0: Wirth's methods were weak at best and horrific at worst. Bruno Bigar, the man Wirth hired to take measurements of Tibetan people's heads in order to prove Atlantean ancestry, was later tried as a war criminal. However, Blavatsky and Himmler succeeded in thrusting Atlantis into the popular psyche for the rest of the 20th century, right into present day. It is the Wirth-Blavatsky model of a highly advanced, potentially magical society that may be lost entirely and may be intertwined with modern humans that still dominates popular culture.
2: And in the 1950s and 60s, there was a rising pop-cultural interest in aliens. Space exploration was underway, and science fiction stories were booming. The newest unexplored frontier was the great unknown above. It makes perfect sense that people would begin considering Atlantis wasn't discoverable on Earth because it hadn't come from Earth. The plate
0: tectonic theory swung back around in the 1960s and 1970s when further technological advances in geological dating and geological surveying
2: emerged. As submarine, ocean mapping, and archaeological technology advanced, another big wave of attempts to find Atlantis under the ocean swelled in the 2000s.
0: Recently, new radar mapping of the jungles of Latin America have revealed previously undisturbed ruins from thousands of years ago. And with them, new theories that Atlantis could still be somewhere in the Central American jungles.
2: Atlantis is a story that has persisted for 2,500 years with only one primary document and no proven material remains. And yet, humans have remained obsessed with it, and it's easy to see why.
0: Atlantis symbolizes everything that captures our imagination. Wildly advanced technology, ruins, a lost civilization, and a hunger to conquer the unknown. The form that the unknown takes changes depending on technology and the time period, but it's always part of the story, from a utopian civilization across the sea to literal aliens.
2: We do believe that ultimately, a historical Atlantis was real and populated by humans, given we have no proof of supernatural or alien existence, but do have a tradition of oral histories from this part of the world.
0: However, we also believe that the story has been deeply exaggerated due to the effects of time, storytelling, and human imagination. If Atlantis did exist, it would have been at least 1,000 years before Plato and likely earlier than that.
2: Because the city has no definitive material remains, it was either misnamed, absorbed by another culture, or buried in a natural disaster such as a volcano or landslide. Due to historical
0: limitations on naval technology it was most likely located in the Mediterranean region but may have been in Africa or the Middle East, not just
2: Europe. It's likely that we'll never be able to answer the question of where the real Atlantis was or who the people who lived there were, but it's also unlikely we'll ever stop looking. Finding Atlantis is the holy grail of search and discovery, and humans love a good treasure hunt.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back Thursday with a new episode
2: you can find more episodes of Unexplained Mysteries as well as all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star
2: review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. See you next Thursday. And remember, never take We Don't Know. For an answer.
0: Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode was written by Taylor Cleland and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner mm